Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. All right, well, while I was uh, off on the break, I started watching a show and and it's amazing how uh, when you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, God can take something and speak to you from something very natural. Uh, you know, you might be walking down the street. Sometimes I walk down the street and suddenly the Lord's talking to me uh, from something's happening in the street or the shop. Or He'll just take something. And I was watching this show and uh, it got to a point in this, uh, basically a movie I was watching, where the Lord, Holy Spirit really anointed something that was happening in the show to me and... Uh, and I thought, wow, I need to really bring this out. And it was like God was saying, hey, you need to preach this and, uh, and use this moment. Because in this show that I was watching, there was a woman in her family and she uh, had all kinds of issues happening. She got very unwell. But the problems with her, uh, the doctors were saying she was fine. Everything was getting worse and worse. And the problems started to impact her, her children, her husband, her life. Everything was just rolling on. And this impact just got worse and worse and worse. And uh, she kept hearing from a doctor that she was uh, kind of having phantom feelings. It wasn't real what was happening to her. And uh, eventually, in the show that I was watching, she got a second opinion. And when she got a second opinion, she found out that what she was dealing with was something very serious, but something that could be sorted. But all of the challenges her children were now in, her husband was in, she was in, the stresses, the difficulty, the tangles, was all because she needed a second opinion. And I want to say to you this morning, at the start of the year, there's a bunch of people here right now, and actually I'll say it to all of us, you need a second opinion. And as we start 2021, we're still in that first month, if you've messed up and failed in your life, you feel like your life is over, you feel like, how could I ever get out of this? How could uh, God ever use me? It's too late. I'm finished. It's too late because of my choices. It's too late because I'm too old. It's too late because uh, this went wrong. It's too late because I lost my business. It's too late because of my finances. It's too late because of that, this, that, the other. Can I encourage you today? The Lord wants to say to you, He's not finished with you. You just need a second opinion. You just need a second opinion about who you are. You need a second opinion about who you are right now, who you can be in God's hand, who you can be in the future, who you can be in 2021. Too many people lock up their life and lock up what God wants to do because we have become the determining factor in who we are. We are determining, this, well, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I will be. This is the way it is. This is the way it will always be. You know, when you, I came from my background, broken family, all kinds of issues. All of it was leading me to certain conclusions about where I could go in life, uh, whether I could be married, whether I could have a family, whether I could have uh, any money, whether I could have a job. So many things were coming at me which were really shutting me down to not expect a lot, to pull back 
to start to define myself by what had happened to me and also to find myself by my feelings, my feelings, when in reality, when I became a Christian, God was now saying, and I remember reading it probably in the first week of becoming a Christian, 2 Corinthians 5.17, which said, therefore, if any man or woman is in Christ, they are a new creation. That to me was a mind-blowing verse from God's Word that God was saying to me, no, you're a new creation now. You're a new creation now. So God's word was overriding my feelings and my opinion. Everybody, can I encourage you? I need his opinion over my opinion. I need his opinion over my opinion. You need God's opinion over your opinion of you. So many people in the world now, you know, in magazine articles and everything, saying, oh, this is who I am. I've discovered who I am. I think people <laughs> arrive at a lot of conclusions about themselves from a messed up mind, a messed up soul, a messed up family, messed up feelings, and then they go, ta-da, this is me. We need to say, hang on a minute. I could have been sold, do you know the term, a Mickey? <laughs> something other than what is the real thing. And I want to encourage you, the real thing is who God says you are because he created you, he put the gifts and talents in you, and just because of life's experiences, life's rejections, life's failures, life's feelings, we should not be letting that opinion be the determining factor in how we live our life. We need to determine how we live our life now and who God says I am who he says you are. So I need his opinion over my opinion. Also, many times, I'll you know, bet there'll be a bunch of people here today, you're starting the year, and really, you continue, you're continuing to see where you fail. You're continuing to see where you're not good enough. I've got news for you. None of us are good enough. None of us are good enough. If we were good enough, Jesus didn't need to come. If you could be good enough, he wouldn't have needed to come and die on the cross for you or me. He came because we are never, ever going to be good enough. And Romans says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says not one person is righteous. So I need God, but the enemy will highlight my faults, highlight my failures, you know, sometimes, you know, that's to discourage me or get me obsessed about where I'm failing. Sometimes the Lord in His grace will do a little knock on my heart and He'll tap on something that in my life uh, I have not yet surrendered to Him. Fear, sin, rebellion, anger. And the Lord will say, hey, um, Jared, love you. Can I have that now? God never beats me up. He never beats you up either. God is not into condemning people. Never. He will convict us to say, you need to give that to me so you can go free on the journey. So God will tap and say, hey, give it to me. And I'll just go, okay, here's what I learned a long time ago. Lord, I'm sorry for that. Uh, whether you saw it or didn't see it, I said, Lord, I saw it, but I didn't want to acknowledge it. Please forgive me, God, I give it to you. Or if I didn't see it, Lord, I didn't even see that. But now I do. Father, I give it to you. And I love it. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to God, 
to God, go straight to God. Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. No sin is too big for God's forgiveness. So we need to say, Lord, thank you that you forgive everything. I give it to you, God. Thank you, Lord. I need your opinion over my opinion, God, because I think that I, maybe I've gone too far or I've failed too many times. And Lord, you are so gracious that when I come to you and give it to you and ask you to forgive me, you do it straight away. <laughs> By the way, too, if you're a new Christian and you need to repent every, say sorry to God every minute, that's how I started. <laughs> I, became, I became a Christian. I said to one of the leaders, how do you stop swearing? How do you do that? <laughs> Look at me, I said, because that, I said, I'm sorry, I'm in church, but that's going to be happening for a while. And they said, just ask the Lord to take it from you. And just when you go to do it and you've done it, just say, well, sorry. And I went, oh, okay. I said, do I do that every minute? <laughs> and they thought I was joking. I wasn't. <laughs> but I started saying, Lord, hey, I'm sorry for that, God. Give that to you. I, I could feel the Lord forgive me straight away. Release me straight away. I love the Lord and serve him today because God graces me to do it, but because he's such a forgiving God. You cannot do it without God, everybody. You need, if you're going to live your life as a Christian in 2021, don't be trying to, ooh, fall over right there. You need to say, Lord, I need your grace. God, I need your help. Lord, can you anoint me? to live this Christian walk. And God says, yes, I will. <laughs> and uh, I've been saved 39 years now. Friday, and in the service this morning, 8 a.m., you know, I just was here and I was like, Lord, I feel like I just became a Christian in the 8 a.m. service. I'm so excited to praise you and to worship you. Lift you. I feel like I just got saved. Listen, everybody, that's walking with God. God makes every day new. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. So you can, you can serve the Lord your whole life. And if you just push into Him, oh, I just lean into you, I just push into you. God, the grace you in every day feels like, I just became a Christian. I just got saved because of the grace and the hand of God on your life. You know, uh, some of us say, well, Lord, I, I'd love to get a second opinion, but really the reality is I can't change. We, we say, I, I can't change. I'd love to hear that second opinion, God. Get a second opinion on this whole deal, but I just can't change. Who says you can't change? Who declared when you were born, this baby shall never change? <laughs> they shall grow up and they will become an adult, but they will have nil ability to ever change. Everybody, let's break that over you today in Jesus' name. Break it over you in Jesus' name. You can't, I'm going to give you a second opinion. You can change. You can change. It's never too late. It's all a heart attitude. Everything with Jesus is the heart. This is the kingdom of the heart, just so you know. If you work that out, it's the kingdom of the heart. You go by the heart. Everything starts to be blessed, fall into place. Everything starts changing. But you can change. It's just, Lord, I have to surrender you, God, because I can't do it without you. And God goes, good, I'll do it. <laughs> just surrender from trying to do it, striving. Ooh, ooh, you know. 
So many people are striving in their life. You never see an orange on an orange tree going, oh, I've got to become an orange. Oh, be an orange. <laughs> They're an orange. Your gifts and talents and who you are is you, but the anointing and the growth and the change, let God do it. So say, Lord, change me, change me, grow me, change me. You know, I grew, grew up in poverty, all kinds of things. Everything that I've done and soon I've been a part of in the last couple of decades is got not a lot to do with us. We were just teenagers holding hands at the start going, okay, Lord, can you grace us to do this? <laughs> Run a home group? Greet people? Whatever. We just say, help us or do that. God go, okay, well, I'll grace you. Help us to be who you want us to be. We're a bit surprised about the journey you took us on because it was much more fun and much more exciting and much more incredible than we ever thought. But it's because we said, we're willing to change. We don't know how we can get there, but Lord, we're willing to change. Could you grace us? We got a second opinion, and that opinion was in the light of God's Word. If you need wisdom in this area, look at James chapter 1, so powerful, verse 5 to 6, New King James. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody lacking wisdom today? Three of us. The rest of you are overflowing, right? If anyone lacks wisdom, that's me. I need more wisdom for what's ahead. And the Bible says, if any of you lack it, let him ask God who gives to all liberally. God goes, you, you asked me to give you supernatural wisdom, here it comes. God says, be in my word, hear my word, be in my house, be around my people, seek me out, seek my word. God says, I'm going to give you wisdom from it. You're going to have wisdom as you seek me. And I love God. He says, good enough, I'll give you a little bit, if you're good enough. God says, no, I'm going to give you liberal wisdom, liberal. The Bible says, without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him or her ask in faith, with no doubting. But he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Some of our lives have just been tossed around. We've just been tossed around by people, life, everything that's happened to us. Bible says, no, no, come to God expectant that he's going to give you wisdom. Come and say, Lord, I'm expectant that you're going to give me wisdom. Right now, I need wisdom. Everybody who's had crisis backgrounds, all my friends, <laughs> there were times when I was younger and a new Christian, so much crisis growing up in my childhood. I had crisis addiction. We didn't have a crisis happening. I was making a crisis. Some of you right then, right now. <laughs> You're so used to crisis, you'd make them. That's how we did it. Nice when you get out of that stuff, I tell you. Whew. But um, I had to say at times, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. And I'm trying to think a year ahead, two years ahead. And the Lord said to me, why are you going so far ahead? I'll give you wisdom for the day. I'll give you wisdom for the day. I'll give you wisdom for the day. Some of you right now, God is saying to you, stop looking so far ahead. Right now, the only wisdom that you need is wisdom for the day. Wisdom for the next day. Sue and I have done time where we're like, Lord, we don't know what to do next hour. And God goes, fine, I'll lead you by the hour. I've gone, Lord, this is all happening. That's happening. This is happening. That's happening. What will I do? God goes, go sit in your chair. 
and just thank me for what I'm about to do. Right, where's my chair? Sit in my chair. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> and then I'd start, I did start preaching to him. I don't know how you can do this. <laughs> now this is going to work. And the Lord say, uh, leave it to me. <laughs> and I just start thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then the Lord, I say, what do I do now? God would say, next hour, go and see so-and-so. Right? <laughs> Listen, sometimes God will lead you by the hour. When you're in that place, you're like pulling your hair out. going to lose your mind. God leads you by the hour. Sometimes then it gets to lead you by the day. Then it leads you by the week. Then it leads you by the year. God will start leading and you'll know this is what I'm meant to do now. You'll get confidence grow because you listen to him when he told you what to do in the next hour. You'll have confidence when he's telling you what to do in the next year. Some of you have got no confidence all the time. Right, listen to what he says for the hour. Sit down. Sit down. Ask him what to do for the day. God will build confidence in you because you're hearing his voice, but you're also being obedient to his voice. That's why I've got confidence now. And God's saying to me something, I'm like, I've got confidence about that. I just know that's going to happen. Just know. When we planted, came here to plant church, I had confidence when we got here. Went to Germany, confidence. Even right now, they're in lockdown, our church in Hamburg, Germany. I got confidence. Got confidence God is on the job in Germany. We got confidence. Our team going to start church in Melbourne. We have expectation and confidence that already they're just seeing miracles, jobs, opportunities, buildings. Melbourne's happening, I'm telling you, people. We have confidence because God's in it. God's in it. Zambia right now, same thing. There's challenges there in lockdown again in Zambia with COVID. But I go to Justin, how's it going? Got confidence, Dad. It's good. We're good. We're doing well. I'm like... I'm like, you got more confidence than me. How's it going? <laughs> he's awesome. He's got confidence because he's also walking a journey of one hour at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time. Listen, we, we need to get his opinion over my opinion. Proverbs 18.2, look at this, nailing it, nailing it so strongly here. Proverbs 18.2 in the New Living Translation says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. <laughs> Wasn't that subtle this morning in the 10 a.m. service? Thank, thank you, Lord. Fools have no interest in understanding. Everybody, I want to have understanding about what's important. What's important in life. What's important in relationships. What's important in, in uh, serving God. What's important in what God has. What's, in, what's important be a person who's going beyond, I go to work, then I go to Woolworths, then I get the bus, then I pay the gas bill, then I go to work. <laughs> what is this about? Lord, give me understanding. Can I just have that back for a minute? But foolish people, they don't care. got no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. I just want to tell you all the time what I think. I've been with people, right, honestly, and, uh, you know, just thinking, well, I, I know it needs to happen here. Know what needs to go on. And I've shared my opinion. And as I shared, you've been in a room and everybody's sitting there and they're leaning into you and then it's like a lead balloon kind of hit the ground. And you see everybody kind of like fidgety because you just shared an opinion and it had absolutely no authority and no weight. And then you, 
you see some people kind of shuffling, and then they're like, uh, anybody for a coffee? Flat white, anybody for a coffee? I'll just, you know, just go and get a couple of coffees. And anybody for a coffee? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I've got some money here. Got some money. And really what's happened is I shared my opinion, which was my opinion, had no weight, no authority, and everybody was trying to be polite by hitting Dome Cafe. <laughs> Let's go for a coffee. Everybody, we need to say, I need to swallow my opinion. <laughs> I need to swallow my opinion. And if you remember once, so a lot of you people I talk to, God's always saying nice things to you all the time. <laughs> exactly. But I once was, went to share my opinion, and I had not asked the Lord about it at a meeting, at a, <laughs> a meeting on staff as a pastor in Sydney. And I didn't ask the Lord about it at all. And I just thought, oh, I just need to share this. And I went to share it. And I'm not joking. As I went to say it, straight into my heart shot this thought. When I need to hear from you, I'll ring a bell. Now, there was, I looked around the room. There was no one speaking. There was only one possible conclusion. <laughs> and the Lord had just said to me into my heart, Right now, if I need to hear from you, I'll ring a bell. He's letting me know, you've got nothing to say in this area right now, so hold your opinion. And Proverbs says, if you do, you'll look wise. So I just sat there looking wise. <laughs> but if I had op opened my mouth, I would have killed the whole deal. <laughs> and then later, someone said, you know, that was good input from you today. <laughs> I don't think I hardly said anything. Anyway... Sometimes we need to hold it because I need his opinion, not my opinion. Here's the next thought, everybody. I need his opinion over other people's opinions. I need his opinion over their opinion. You need a second opinion. You need a second opinion. Some of us are so ruled by what everybody else thinks, what he said, what she said, what your school teacher said. There are people here right now, you are not functioning at the fullness of who God's called you to be because of a school teacher. Who are they? They're gone. Somebody at school said, they're gone. We need to go, hang on a minute. Um, I need to realize that God's opinion is more important than their opinion. God's opinion about you is more important than even your parents' opinion. Some of us have parents who are loving and supportive and supportive of us maybe becoming a Christian serving the Lord. Others didn't have that. Listen, God's opinion is more important than their opinion. I was sitting in church just remembering this morning before I got up to preach, and I can remember two of my friends saying to me, Jared, I just want to say to you about this Christian thing, that this is a phase. That's what they said to me. I just saw their faces before I got up. So I tell you, we just know that this is a phase, this spiritual thing, this Christian thing. You're in a phase. Well, it's been a blooming long phase. <laughs> 40 years next month. <laughs> 40 years next month. And I realized again, your opinion is of no consequence. God's opinion is everything. Actually, just tell your neighbor, you need a second opinion. Just tell them, you need a second opinion. Come on. <laughs> you know, when you become a Christian, <laughs> I'm going to shake some destiny out of you today. 
you know, when you become a Christian, listen, you know the Bible says, we no longer know anybody by the flesh. Do you know the Scripture says that? We no longer know anybody by the flesh. We don't know you by your past. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 19, the message says this. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once, and gee, we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created anew. The old life is gone, a new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him, then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with Himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. Listen, everybody, we don't judge you by your past when you're saved. In our church right here, we will have had everybody, business people, we will have had people who have been in jail multiple times, we have drug addicts, thieves, prostitutes, alcoholics, sinners, everybody. We don't know them anymore by the flesh. Half of them are on the eldership. <laughs> we don't know people anymore by your past. We don't know you by your yesterday. We couldn't care less about your yesterday. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. <laughs> so it's looking at the front row pastoral team. What a work of God. <laughs> My goodness. A mess without Jesus. But now husbands, wives, leading families, impacting people, leading church, leading the community. We don't know you by the flesh. Stop putting yourself back to who you were. That person is gone. They're gone. You know, I was in, um, I was in uh, Asia years ago, 20, how many years ago is that? Oh, 30 years ago. I was on my first mission trip in Asia, and uh, no, I got sent on it at the last minute. Gee, talk about health and safety back then. The health and safety we had now, back then, nothing existed. You just lived or died. <laughs> so they sent me off on this mission trip. I just walked around was in islands and cities and in places where people were living in absolute abject poverty. I just walked around in the rain, stayed out till midnight. I ended up getting so sick, I nearly died. I had to be, I'd be taken to hospital. Oh, my gosh. I had... I had lumps come up my neck. I broke out in a huge rash. I was as sick as sick could be. The missionaries at the house, I'm saying, in, walked in to my room and they went, oh, gosh. They looked at me and said, uh, Jared, you're going to die. <laughs> Two of them were my friends. <laughs> the second day, they walked in and one of them goes, yes, you're definitely going to die. You're going to heaven. Okay, that's going to happen. <laughs> so, they took me to the hospital, went to this hospital on this island. Gave, I was out of it. They gave them money. They, and I'm telling them I'm allergic to penicillin, which I have been. And uh, I was telling this doctor, they give me penicillin. I don't know about it. The doctor's a fake doctor. Went and got a lab coat, put it on. Somebody who's got the whole thing sussed out. We gave them the money. They wrote out the script. They wrote out for everybody. We filled it. I took the, penicil I took the penicillin. So now I'm having anaphylactic shock. 
as well as everything else. I got lumps, I got welts, I got, I can't breathe, I got, oh, it's all happening. Anyway, so after that, I lived. <laughs> so, which was good. It was good. But anyway, when I rang Sue, here we were, not, we were struggling to get pregnant. The doctors were so negative about us having children. And then I ring Sue and tell her, I'm not going to be able to leave for two weeks. I'm so sick. I'm going to have to get home late. I start telling her my symptoms. She tells the doctor, and the doctor straight away, he probably had that before he went on the trip. And Mrs. Keen, we just found out you're pregnant with Sean. So he's probably given it to the baby, and the baby's probably going to be all injured and damaged. And he's going on to Sue like that. We'd already had all negative things about getting pregnant. Now the doctor's telling her, I am giving him bubonic plague, <laughs> even in the womb. <laughs> I'm telling you now, if we weren't believers then, the enemy could have really crumbled the two of us. I came home and had every test known to man. <laughs> so I had, actually, I had picked up tropical illnesses that no one in the East Coast of Australia had. They used to ring me from the blood bank, Mr. Keen, we so need you to come in again because you, you have this disease, this thing, it's in your blood. I used to be like that, giving them blood. So, so it, was, it was worth the mission trip, just keep people alive, right? But we had to, Sue and I had to go, stop. And we even on the phone, we were praying, said, Lord, thank you that you are with me. I'm going to live, I'm not going to die. Thank you that Sean's in the womb healed. Thank you. And the doctor said we had to go away from Sue for two to three weeks. We had to go, Lord, we are looking to your kingdom opinion. We, Lord, look to your opinion, not even the doctor. God bless him, but he's not clued in. He's just, he's just been watching too many episodes of Fear Factor. And so when Sue and I came home and Sean was born normally and I found out that I had shingles and these viruses and anaphylactic shock and everything else. But... I learned a lesson from it. It was, don't do anything that I did on that mission trip ever again. <laughs> Listen, you know, the tests in life, everybody, reveal the opinion we are following. The tests in, that happen to you in life will reveal the opinion you're following. If you're following God's opinion, even when you're in hell, in a situation that is so difficult, that was absolutely hellish, if you're following God's opinion, you will grab it in the midst of trial. And it will become an anchor that will carry you through. It'll carry you through the trial. <laughs> By the way, if your life, some of you are saying now, oh, Pastor Jared, you are talking to me today. I'm in a test again right now. <laughs> some of you are in a constant test. If you are constantly in a test, it's a bit like, the person who is always being arrested for crimes, you're probably the one committing them. <laughs> Ever seen people getting arrested for crimes all the time? Ah, oh, police, don't know what's going on. Been arrested 47 times. It's probably because they got two wrong and you did the other 45. If you're always at the scene of the crime, or you're always having, you know, if you're always having a car crash, oh, I'm always having car crashes. Factor in that you're the driver. <laughs> Factor it in and realize, hang on, there's some tests that I keep creating. Stop creating crisis, stop creating tests. Say, Lord, give me wisdom to get out of that. But when life just gives you tests, say, Lord, lead me through that. 
through those unexpected, dark, tight tunnels that life can bring. Anybody ever been caving? Who's ever been caving? Have you been caving? Who's been caving ever? Oh, have you been caving? Were you underground and you're going through caves? I went to an underground thing, got a tour thing, and all these young people turned up in white tops. I remember in the 80s and had Madonna on them in white sloppy joes. At the end of it, they came out, they looked like dead brown ferrets at the end. <laughs> you never want to wear a white top caving. But I, I do this caving thing. I will never do it again. <laughs> I thought I was going to die underground. You're in this cave. It's just this, your body just slides through. And the person in front of you is going, keep wiggling. <laughs> keep wiggling. Keep your light on. What do you think? I'm not going to turn my light off. Are you crazy? He's like, keep your light on. I'm like, Jesus, if I live after this, this is a one-time deal. Listen, if you're in a dark, tight tunnel right now, he's the light. He's the light. <laughs> and here's what I had to learn, because I started stressing, going to the guy, hurry up, what are you doing? What are you doing to the guy? And he's like, no, if we hurry up and I move faster, we will be stuck. Slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> you had to listen to the guy in front of me so that I was able to get out the other end. Everybody... You need to listen to the Lord so you can get out of it. Listen to the Lord so you can get out of this thing. If right now you've been, you are running your race well, Galatians 5 says, you are running so well. Who cut in on you? It says in the Message Bible. You need to get back on your race at the beginning of 2021 and say, hang on, somebody cut in on me. Message Bible says it certainly wasn't God. He didn't cut, you, cut in on you so that you got off track. Bible says God's coming to give you truth. And when God comes to give you truth, with truth comes freedom. When God brings you truth, with truth comes freedom. One of the most incredible things that God will do in your life is when you follow him, he'll take you into truth. My poor dad, who was a victim of his father's pain, who was a victim of his father's pain, who was a terrible alcoholic, my father just lied to me my whole childhood. One of the greatest things I've ever experienced as a Christian is the fact that God continues to tell me the truth. And as he tells me the truth, he brings me into freedom. Don't let anybody cut in on you. If you need to take a rest, take a rest. Not a rest from God and his house. I'm talking about just begin to take a rest from striving and struggling in life. Take a rest, but every believer, listen to me. Don't let the devil make you quit. Don't let the devil make you quit. There's too much at stake. Don't let the devil make you quit. In fact, get some fight in you for 2021. Point your spiritual sword forward. Come on, point it forward. Too many Christians are stabbing everybody around them. <laughs> Sorry, didn't like you very much. Stab. <laughs> Leader at church who says something to me, stab you. No, go forward. Say, Lord, I'm going forward. You're going to need some fight to enter into your destiny. You're going to need some tenacity. Tenacious house, where are you? You're going to need some tenacity. It's probably called tenacious house, tenacious house. Because you're going to have to be to get out of that life and get into your destiny. But we're here to help you, cheer you on, love you, walk with you, but you're going to have to have some tenacity. You're going to have to have some tenacity to get to your destiny. Now, I said in the last service, 
is, I'm going to need you to come up with me, bro, in just one moment. <laughs> Get ready, bro. You're a machine on Friday. Gee, what's going to happen now? <laughs> anyway, I said in the last service, here's what happened. I start talking about destiny, and I, Christians, go, oh, Pastor Jared, he's talking about destiny again. Oh, this destiny thing. He's bringing it out again. Oh, my goodness. Why is he doing that? Listen, if you are not pursuing destiny, and if you're a parent and you're not pursuing it with your children and grandchildren, the devil in one generation will come to your house with drug addiction, alcoholism. He'll bring immorality. He'll bring marriage breakup. You got every magazine you read now. Oh, how exciting it is to have an affair in 2020. Do it quietly. Your husband or wife will never know. This is a magazines, people. It destroys people. It destroys children. Children are destroyed by the nonsense they put on the front of magazines. Now, listen, you're going to have that. I've come from hell. I'm never going back there. Sue and I are out. We signed a resignation letter. We're gone. Got baptized. Jesus, we're following you. But I believe that there are many Christians who don't realize because they're not following any sense of destiny that they may get out of it. But in your latter years, you'll be dealing it with your children and grandchildren. Walking with you through your divorce, walking through your alcoholism, walking through your drug addiction. You had another affair. Let's walk through that. Here's all your grandkids now suffering. When really, what should have been happening in the house is saying, hey, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. We're serving the Lord. Telling your children and grandchildren, we have a destiny. We are called as a family. The boys know I did that ad nauseum. We're called as a family. We're called as a family. When they got a bit naughty, particularly Jordan, said, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to serve the Lord. You're going to church. Jordan was telling me, I'm not doing more than one service. I'm not going to church. Blah, blah, blah. Said, right, go in your bedroom. Stay in there. Talk to the Lord. And then I said, I've got to get the big guns now. Your mother's coming. <laughs> if he looked worried about me when he heard that one, he was like, oh. <laughs> you got to be determined and fight for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your destiny. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I'm 80, I'm 60 in two years. But when I'm 80, I bet there are a whole bunch of people that go, I'll be 80 sitting in a chair. You'll all be like, oh, we wish we had to listen to you, Pastor Jared. I go, what about destiny? I'll get out of the chair and I'll come after you. <laughs> Everybody, listen to God's word. Don't lose your fight. Get some fresh fight. God's love for you is unconditional. Come on, his love is unconditional. His calling for you has not gone away. Come on, his calling has not gone away. His love has not gone away. Come on, he's fighting for you. Sometimes when you buy a house, they say the house has gone unconditional. I want to tell you right now, God's love for you has gone unconditional. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. 
and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.